Well, good morning, North Wake family. It is so good to be here. It is so good to, uh, to sing the praises of our great and awesome God together with you. And it is great to enjoy the fellowship of his people. Uh, I come from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. I pastored in Maryland over the last uh, six years. And I must say that I, I, I like the vibe down here. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty cool, yeah, you know. Um, uh, I, I, I get a good night's sleep here, which is really good. I haven't heard a helicopter go over my head or over our house or anything, and so it's good. So it's good to be well-rested and to be able to get up and, and worship the Lord and, and, uh, and, and, and just sing his praises and enjoy the fellowship of his people. I, I come with my wife, Annie, uh, who's here, and my four children as well, uh, who are all in their best behavior. Every once in a while, you have to just give a little reminder and things like that. No, but I'm, I'm really grateful uh, that we're able to, uh, to join you this morning. And I do give my thanks to your pastor, Pastor Larry. Uh, as uh, Daniel had said, uh, we met just a few months ago over at uh, Lake Junaluska. Uh, there was a retreat that we had at Southeastern. Uh, some of us uh, went over there, and, and some of your folks went as well. And it was really good. I was reintroduced to rest. And I am grateful that your pastor has, has made that his aim, uh, to prioritize rest, to prioritize retreat. Uh, and not only that, but to encourage us young guys, I, I know it's, it's gray, but, but, but young, you know, grr, guys, <laughs> uh, to, uh, to take those seasons of rest and, and to enjoy the presence of the Lord. I'm so grateful for your pastor in that regard, and I'm grateful for the invitation to be here today. Well, with all that said, let's get into the scriptures. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're continuing in our series in 1 John. One of the things I like to do when I'm, in, when, I'm, when I'm back in the saddle, if you will, when I'm back in, in the pulpit preaching is I, I never know where everybody is if y'all are there yet. I know some of you have uh, smartphones and you can just go, hey, Siri, flip to 1 John 2 or something like that. Uh, some of you guys have pages and so on. So when you're there, say I'm there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. 1 John chapter 2, beginning of verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected by this. We may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm, not, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light 
and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now let's pray that the Lord would give us eyes to see and hearts to hear all that he has said. Let's pray. Father, it is by your grace that we are saved. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And yet the grace that saves us, moves us, and motivates us, drives us for works. To serve the living God. And so, Father, I know that there are some who are here today that are unsure. They, if they were to look at their lives, they would be unsure about where they stand with you. Father, I pray that you would make it crystal clear. There are some who are here, Lord, who are striving for holiness and, and they are living in a Christ-like manner and they are serving the living God. And, and Lord, I pray that this word would be an encouragement to them that they're going in the right direction. And Lord, there are some in here who do not know you. And Lord, I pray that you would make it very plain to them today that when they leave from here, they would not leave here the way they came but they would leave here a son or a daughter of, of you in your family. And I thank you so much for that. Lord, I, I cannot do this in my own. It is, it is only by your spirit moving through your word. And so I pray, Lord, that you would accomplish great things. And we ask great things of you because you're a great God. And we thank you. Have your way now and glorify your son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As an eighth grader, Andre was not exactly an expert in romance, but he really thought that Desiree was beautiful. He didn't want to embarrass himself with any outward show of affection if the feeling wasn't mutual. And so he had to overcome his his sweaty palms and his knocking knees, and and he decided, "I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a note. Do y'all still do that, young, young folks? Do y'all still pass notes and all that? We, we do that. Is it, is it texting now? Is that what it is? You just text it to them? I don't know. But, 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 but back in my day, it was writing notes uh, back in the old days, the 90s. And so um, <laughs> he, he didn't want to embarrass himself, and so he decided he was going to write a note. And so mustering the courage, he sent this, this beautifully well-written note to Desiree, and it read this way. I like you. Do you like me? Check the box. Yes or no. <laughs> Andre wanted to be sure of the relationship. He wanted to, he wanted to make it plain. Uh, you know, cut the niceties and all of that. Shoot straight with me. Are, are we a thing or not? And perhaps we think about that as unique, but actually he's not alone. We all look for ways to be sure about our relationship statuses. A lady will announce her engagement to the whole world by flashing the bling, right? 
She, she's got, the, she's got the, the beautiful diamond engagement ring, and she wants everyone to know he went to Jared. <laughs> you know, we've got the, uh, uh, the, 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 the cultural phenomenon that happens when your best friend changes his Facebook status from single to in a relationship. He's gone public with his relationship. We honor the grandparents who have endured decades of storms and trials and are still hugging and still kissing after all these years. We love it when, when we can see confirmations of, of relationship statuses. And, and I want to bring this to you today, that if, if there's one relationship that you need to be absolutely sure of, it's your relationship with God. If there's one relationship status that you need crystal clear, it's this relationship. You see, this God is the one, the Lord of heaven and earth who has invaded this world through his son so that you and I could enjoy fellowship with him forever. But This morning in a, in a place like this, in a size like this, I suspect that some of you are not so sure of this relationship. You know, our culture makes it very difficult to be sure of your salvation. I mean, especially in a, in a culture like ours, there are so many options, aren't there? There's so many options, not even just options to religion, but options to, to Christianity. I mean, which, who's right? Which, which way is the right way to go? Which, which direction is the right direction? Uh, you know, for some, it means to be a social justice warrior. For others, it means to be uh, pro-life, but then you have others who say it's about being pro-choice. For others, it means to be a Republican. Then you have the other group that says it's to be Democrat. Then it's the other group that just wishes that the whole thing would blow up, right? Uh, for some, it means to be Catholic. For others, it means to be a Protestant. For others, it means to be a charismatic, tongue-speaking, running laps around the sanctuary and passing out in the spirit. And for others, it's if you raise your hand, you will go to hell. <laughs> I mean, there are all these different options to Christianity, and we wonder sometimes, who's right? Well, if you listen to all of these groups, they would say, we are. And there are many who say, I, I just don't understand which way to go. I don't know which way is the right way. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How do I know for sure that I have a relationship with the living God? You know, actually, this, this isn't new. In the first century, the apostle John was writing out of concern for his flock, you see, there are folks who had, had, had come out from that group, and, and, and they decided that, that they didn't believe the same things about Jesus that the, 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 the Christians in the church did. They started to deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, which is interesting if you are familiar with John's gospel. Because if you go to John chapter 20, verse 31, John says that he has written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so it seems like this was a recurring thing for John. Uh, this was a recurring battle for him. That there are folks in, there in the group that said, we don't 
really believe that anymore. And so they started to leave. And you realize what happens when you start uh, uh, tweaking your beliefs of Jesus. When you start tweaking your beliefs about Jesus, you start tweaking everything that Jesus said, right? If, if, if Jesus isn't who he said he is, then, then how he told me to live is optional. It's not essential anymore. I can do whatever I want. You do realize just how devastating that can be for a church. And that's why when these folks who left from the church started cycling through the area with their own group of teachers, knocking on doors and entering into church communities and so on with these newfangled ideas about Jesus that John knew he had to take action. John knew he had to do something. He had to say something about that. You see, if, 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 they're, uh, uh, if they are confused in their doctrine, then it would confuse the confessions of the church, right? If they're confused uh, and, 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 uh, and distorting the, the morality uh, that flows from that, then obviously that would start to confuse the church's character, if they, if they start believing different things about, about the, the, the fellowship, about, about who is in and who is not in, then that could distort and confuse the church's community. Everything would crumble. So John says, I need to, to go to you and I need to remind you what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. I'm sure there were people that were there that were unsure just like there may be some here that are unsure. And so John says, I want you to know. I want you to see this. Okay, so let's look at this. Let's look at what he's talking about here. Notice uh, he says in verse 3, those first words there, by this we know. Do you see that there in verse 3? And then he follows it in verse 4 with whoever says, I know him. See? So verse 3, by this we know that we have come to know him. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him. Look at verse uh, 5 at the end. By this we know that we are in him. And then he says, whoever says, verse 6, he abides in him. And then notice in verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 8, the darkness is passing away at the end and the true light is already shining. And then verse 9, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother. Do you see what's going on? There's this kind of call and response thing going on. John sets up a standard, and then he judges people's responses in light of that standard. In other words, John is not a relativist. John doesn't believe that you can say whatever you want to say, and all your claims are equally valid. No, no. John believes that there are absolutes. John believes that there is a standard by which we can judge our claims to be true or false. All of these terms here, knowing him, abiding in him, being in the light, I take these as being synonymous with having a relationship with the Lord. So, how do you know? How can you be sure about your relationship status? Well, first things first, he says this. Look at verse, five, uh, verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So the first thing we need to know is this. We know that we know him when we keep his commandments. We know that we know him 
when we keep his commandments. Okay? He says there, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And he's so sure of that that he can say in verse 4, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now immediately, there's some of y'all who are here and you're, you're saying, oh, wait, 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 hold fast, preacher. Uh, that, that's legalism. And then I'm sure there's some others that would say, ah, no, 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 wait, 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 wait a second, my brother. That's perfectionism. Well, is it? Is it legalistic to say, keep his commandments? Is it, is it perfectionistic to say, if you don't keep his commandments and you say you know him, you're a liar? Well, let's, let's look at this. Let's think about this. If, you know, what, what does it actually mean to be a legalist? You know, there are all these folks that throw that around. You know, you're a legalist. You're a legalist. Well, what is legalism? I almost want to do like the jaywalking thing, you know, where you just walk around and ask people, what, do you know what, a, what, what is a legalist? And you may you ask 10 people and get 10 different answers. Here's what a legalist is, okay? A legalist believes that any set of laws or commands are necessary to have a relationship with God. Is that what John said? That's not what John said. John did not say, by this we know him. Is that what he said? What did he say? By this we... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's loosen up. Come, come on. Come on. You know, me, 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 me. Work, work, work that Adam's apple there. Okay. Ready? Ready? Okay. He says in verse 3, by this we know that we know him. There we go. Good job, guys. Wow. Oh, Lord, second service, hurry up. So um, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> he says, by this we know that we know him. Oh, yeah, that we know. He says, by this we know that we know him. He's not saying by this we know him. That would be legalism. We know him by keeping his commandments. He says, by this we know that we know him. Okay? How do we know him? Well, if you're here and you don't know the answer to that, you came at the right time, and I'm glad you asked that question. How do you know him? Here's how you know him. God sent his son. God sent his son who came down, as John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only one from the Father, full of grace and truth. This one came down with one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to lay down his life on the cross as a sacrificial substitute for our sins, so that if you call on his name, your sins will be forgiven. All that separates you from God will be done away with and, 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 and so that you who has been estranged from God for all of your life can finally be reconciled to him in fellowship. That's good news. Notice I did not say you have to join a church. I did not say you have to pick a particular version of the Bible. I didn't say you had to clean up your clothes. I didn't say you had to do any of those things. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as John says in John 14, chapter 6. That's how you, uh, uh, you become a believer. That's how you come to know him. The question that John's dealing with here is, how do I know that I've come to know him? The way that you know that you've come to know him is by looking at the proof of that relationship in your life. That's how you know that you know. So this isn't legalism. It's faithfulness. Is it perfectionism? No, 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 it's not perfectionism either. What does it mean to be a perfectionist? Well, a perfectionist believes that a mistake-free life is necessary to have a relationship with God. Is that what John says? I don't think that's what John says either. You say, well, but he said if you uh, say that you know him but you haven't kept his commandments, you're a liar. Yeah, he did say that. But does that mean then that you've got to be perfect? No. How do I know that? Because of the previous passage. John said, look at the beginning of the chapter, verse 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, he has very high hopes that you will not sin, right? <laughs> I, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do, and, and I know you will, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, look, you're going to sin. I know that already. So keeping his commandments does not mean you live a sin-free life. Keeping his commandments means you live faithfully in obedience to him. Here's something amazing about the commandments of Christ. He says things like, repent and believe in the gospel. How do you repent if you're sinless? Did, did, you, did you catch that? How, how do I repent unless there's something for me to repent from? I, I, I've got I've to be in a, a need of repentance if I'm going to repent. And so in other words, the commandments of the Lord, even the very commandments of the Lord, anticipate that you're going to sin. He says, whoever knows me, whoever says that he knows me, keeps his commandments. And the way that you keep his commandments includes that when you sin, you come right back to him and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. That's his command. So is this legalism? No. Is it perfectionism? No. It's faithfulness. How do I know that I know him? You know that you know him. By keeping his commands. Interesting, he said in here, uh, right at the end of verse, uh, right at the beginning of verse five. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. I think that John intends this to be understood two ways. It's not just the fact that our love for God is perfected, but God's love for us is perfected as well. And by the way, that does not mean, as we said just a second ago, that does not mean perfection or perfectionism. What he's saying is this, your love for God and his love for you have met its intended goal, its intended outcome, when you are living a life of obedience to him. You know, um, we do some weird things when we love people. <laughs> um, I was reminded of that the other day. I was thinking, 
through this, and I was thinking, what are some examples of, of how my life adjusted when I, when I fell in love with Annie? And I remember back when my college days, uh, during the summertime, she would go back to her home in Pennsylvania. I'd go back to my home in Southern Maryland. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, the man was in love. Brother was smitten. And so what did, I, what did I do? Well, I'd get into my Chevy Malibu, which, by the way, I still have. Yeah. Boy, it's running on grace. But, but I, I would get in that Chevy Malibu, and I would drive three hours one way to spend the day with this woman. And then we, you know, we'd go out to eat or you know, just hang around at her parents' house and whatever. And then when it would all, all be done... 10 o'clock or so at night, I'd get back into the car and I would drive three hours back home. Now, those of you who have not reached that level of insanity are wondering, why would you do that? The reason I would do that is because I loved her and I wanted to be with her. And I was willing to adjust whatever I needed to adjust so that I could spend more time with her. I wanted to adjust whatever I needed to adjust so that we could be together. Isn't that exactly what the Lord is saying to us here in this text? How do you know that you know him? You know that you know him when you can see the adjustments in your life. You know that you know him when you can see the rearranging in your life, when you can see the renovations in your life that say, wait a second, the Lord has taken up residence in me. He is the one that's in control of my life. By this we know that we know him when we keep his commandments. Secondly, we know that we are in him when we follow in his footsteps. Look at what it says at the end of verse 5. By uh, whoever keeps his word and this in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Notice the change of language. He's now going from knowing him to being in him or abiding in him. This shows that this relationship with Jesus is, 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 is much more than just similar to the relationship that I have with Annie. It's even deeper than that. I am in him and, and, and he is in me. This is, this is uh, uh, an, an intimate, mysterious relationship that theologians call our union with Christ. Jesus gave the illustration of a vine and branches. That's where we get this abiding language. You take a branch off of the vine and the branch is no longer going to function. It's no longer going to live. It will not bear fruit. As long as that branch is connected to the vine, that branch lives and that branch bears fruit. How do I know that I am in him? How do I know that I'm attached to the vine? I know that I'm attached to the vine when I start acting like a vine. I know that, I'm a, that I am with him when I start imitating his life. You know, when you're, when you're close to somebody, that, that happens, my kids uh, know about my love for jazz and my love for funk music. Uh, uh, Daniel, is, is, that, is, is, that, is that legit? Am I allowed to say that? Okay, good, good, good. Um, and so, uh, so they know that, that uh, this thing called the stanky face, okay? 
Um, uh, it's, it's, it's an acquired taste. Only those who, 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 are, who are jazz and funk connoisseurs understand, you know, the stanky face. What, what it is is this. You, you hear a good bass line. You, you hear a drummer, you know, just start doing his thing. The pocket, I mean, the guys are in the pocket and they're jamming. And, 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 and what happens is this. Your face just starts to, mmm, mmm, you know. And you just start, that's what I'm Mm, come on, man, you know, and, and you just start doing, that's the stanky face, you know, and, and, and here's the cool thing. My kids, every once in a while, I'll kind of take a peek over them and I'll see them, mm, you know, they, 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 they're rocking the stanky face too, you know, and all that. Why? Because they've seen me do the stanky face. And they see this is what daddy does when he hears, you know, a really good uh, 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 bass line or, or something like that. So, so that must be what you do. That must be how you respond. You just, mm, you know, do that stinky face too. See? And now on the flip side, you know, they, they got some other traits too <laughs> from me. Uh, for instance, when I'm, when I'm tired, I, I get a little grumpy. And, and yeah, that, that happens from, from time to time that, 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 you know, I've noticed with them when they start getting a little tired, they start getting a little irritable too. They learned not just from my instructions, but they learned from my example as well. Y'all know all about that, don't you? You, you know what that's like. You know what it's like when you move away from your hometown <laughs> and, and, and you start to pick up the accent of your new neighbors. But then when you go back home, it all comes, comes back to you, doesn't it? it all, the, you know, for those of you who are, who are further down south, the twang starts to jump out again you know, and, and, and everything. I go back home to Baltimore and, and, and all of a sudden I'm not in Baltimore. I'm in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, say that, Baltimore. Yeah, that's how we do it, you know, back there. And, and, and you just start saying things and talking in a certain way, and, and all of that picks up. It's imitation. When you spend time with someone, an extended time with someone, you start picking up the traits of that person. Jesus says, how do you, or, or John says, how do you know that you have abided with Jesus? You know that you've abided with Jesus when you start to pick up his traits. When you start to follow in his footsteps, you start to imitate him. Well, what does that look like? What, is it, what does it look like to keep his commandments? What does it look like to, to follow in his footsteps? Well, I think that's what he gives this last text here for, right? uh, this, this section here, verses 7 through 11. We know, that we, are, we know that we know him when we keep his commandments. We know that we are in him when we follow in his footsteps. Lastly, we know that we are in the light when we love his family. Keeping his commandments, following in his footsteps, leads us to a life of love. Before he does that, he, before he gets there in verses 9 through 11, he, he, he breaks off a little bit in verses 7 and 8. He says, behold, I'm, I'm writing you no new commandment. I think he's talking about this commandment to love. I, I, I'm writing you no new commandment, but it's an old one that you've had from the beginning. 
The old commandment is the word that you have heard. He's, he's talking here about the commandment that Jesus gave in John 13 when he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. That's, Jesus said that way back in the day at this time. Uh, but it may even be, go even further if you go to Leviticus 19 where, where the Lord says to the people of Israel, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is an old school commandment, but yet it's got a little bit of a new school twist to it because he says in verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. In other words, what's new about this commandment isn't necessarily the commandment itself. What's new about the commandment is us. Something has changed in us so that this commandment takes on a new twist in us. Namely, as he says here, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I take it to mean this. We have the very life of God in us by means of his Holy Spirit. And because his Holy Spirit indwells us and is sanctifying us from the inside out, we have a capacity to love that no one else before the Holy Spirit has descended has been able to love. We have special supernatural power in us to love one another. This is amazing. And that's why when John finishes up in verses 9 through 11, he can speak as strongly as he does. Look what he says. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You all know the, the imagery there. I'm sure you've had those moments where you've needed a, a potty break in the middle of the night or maybe you were coughing and you needed to get up and get a drink of water or something and you get up there and you start walking down the hallway and you've got two options. You could either go on your instinct or you can be smart, right? Uh, you can go on your instinct and say, no, 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 I've lived in this house all these years. I know where I'm going. I don't need to flip a switch, and you start going, and if you're like me and you've got kids all over the place, you know that you've got toys and Legos and everything in any direction, in any location in the house. And you know that that's dangerous. It's a minefield to walk around in my house at night. And so you're walking around and, oh my goodness, there is a Lego. And, 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 and you know the, 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 the death, you know, Feel the, 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 the deathly feel of, of stepping on a, on a Lego, it's straight to the ER. You know, and, and uh, I mean, ah, what was going on? Well, what happened? I was in the dark. I didn't see where I was going. It, you know, it, it just popped up. That's what happens when you're in the dark. You don't see where you're going. And you wind up hurting yourself. And if you're not careful, you can hurt someone else too. If you're in the light, you're able to see things as they are. Think of the metaphor here as he connects it now to loving one another. If you don't love your brother, you are still in the darkness. You don't see things as they really are. You don't understand things as they really are. And if you don't change things up, if you don't get into the light, you could hurt yourself and you could hurt other people. But if you walk in the light, 
You're able to see people as they really are. You're able to see them as created in the image of God. You're able to see your brothers and sisters in Christ as those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're able to see that we are joint heirs of the grace of life. You're able to see that we have been adopted by our Father, chosen by His grace, and that we are sealed by His Holy Spirit forever. When you are living in the light, you are able to love as you should love. Church, if I can go here for just a few minutes, I am really, really concerned with the church in America because we have lost our minds. We have allowed politics and we have allowed social issues and social structures to completely fracture the church. If it hasn't happened to you yet, praise God. Fight for one another. But what I've seen in so many different places, up north, down south, I've seen it all over the place. People who are more aligned to their political allegiances or more aligned to whatever new movement has popped up or whatever social media trend is there, they're more committed to that than to Christ and his people. And John would say here, if you say that you are in the light, but you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not a Christian. And there are a lot of people who are going around easily duping us and recruiting us to their movements. And we have not taken the time to discern if that movement is consistent with Christ and his church and his glory or if it's moving us away from Christ and his church and his glory. Is this moving me to love Jesus or is it moving me to ignore Jesus and love the state or ignore Jesus and love Hollywood? Or ignore Jesus and love whatever the, the trend is. is. Is this moving me to a deeper love for his people? Or is this moving me away from his people? We hear folks who say, I love Jesus, but I just don't love the church. And don't get me wrong, we are an annoying bunch, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest with it. You know, me, my, myself included. I mean, you know me for a little bit and you're like, oh my goodness, get away from that guy. He talks too much. You know, that, that's, just, that's just the way it is, you know. But, but, but do we move in, in the love of Christ? Does it move us and drive us and compel us to say, yeah, you may annoy me every once in a while, but my goodness, I love you. I, I, I pray for you regularly. I care about you. If you're in need, just call me up and I'll be there for you. I'll invite you into my home. I'll, I'll help you out when you're in need. I, I'll, I'll give you wisdom and counsel when you need it. I'm humble enough to listen to you when you rebuke me when I'm walking in sin, but only if I'm able to return the favor for you when you're walking in sin so that we together can be holy and blameless before the Lord. Do you love your church brothers and sisters like that? Whatever is moving you away from that deep, deep love is an idol. John says, we need to live in the light. And living in the light means we love Jesus and we love his people deeply. So how are y'all doing? 
we, we, we see this and we see our relationship status before the Lord, and I want you to, to just stop and inspect your own heart. Are you keeping his commands to love? Are you following in his footsteps in love? Are you shining his light of love to your church family and to the world? How do I know that I know him? I know that I know him when my life starts to reflect the one that I've spent time with. When you can look at my life and you say, you live just the way Jesus told you to live. You're keeping his commandments. When I'm looking at my life and you see, you know, you're, you, you're, you're acting like Jesus. You're, you're hanging with the, with the folks that Jesus would hang with. You're having compassion on the folks that Jesus would have compassion with. You, you, you're, you're caring for the things that Jesus cares about. You, 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 you're starting to, or I'm starting to get the aroma of Jesus. I'm starting to get his, to pick up his scent in your life. Can people look at you and see the lights are turned on? Does it look just as dark in your heart and in your life as the rest of the world? If I can use the analogy that I began with again, you have an opportunity to check the box. What does this look like? Do I know that I know him or not? Let's pray together. I want you to answer that question. Do I see evidence of obedience in my life? Do I see evidence of Christ's likeness in my life? Do I see evidence of love, deep, deep love for my church family in my life? Perhaps you have thought that this was optional, <laughs> that his commands were suggestions, that his life was just one of many good lives to follow, and that you love the church, but you're not really committed to the church. Well, it seems that John is telling us otherwise. These are not options. This is the way a Christian lives. This is the way a Christian loves. If you can look in your life and you say, there are so many areas where I have fallen short, there's good news. Remember, his commands are telling you to turn from your sin and to repent and trust in him. He's not going to turn you away. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come to him and be clean. Maybe you're here and you say, I, 
I thought that I was doing okay. I thought I was living a good life. I thought that I was doing everything I needed to do. But now I look and I realize that I've been living by my own list and not by Jesus. I've been following my own instructions and not his instructions. Maybe you look at your life and you say, you know, my life isn't marked by the love of Christ for his people. It's good to cry out to him. I say, Lord, make it so with me. So, Lord, would you please work in us as we now respond to your word. Make it plain what needs to be corrected so that we live for you and so that we can know by the way we live our lives that we are yours and yours forever. We pray in Jesus' name.